Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Stockwell service. To hear talks from each of our services, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. It is like officially like a week until Christmas. I think it's a week and one day until Christmas. There's two weeks left of 2023. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe that fills you with joy. Maybe that fills you with dread. Um, but Christmas, it can be an interesting time of year. It's one of my favorite times of year, but it's also coupled with being one of my most stressful times of year. And I don't know um, how, how you guys see it. Um, I, is anyone here a fan of Christmas movies? Oh, yes, I'm in the right place. I knew, I see, I'm, in, I'm with my family. Uh, I, f- I felt like there wasn't so much love on this side of the room. <laughs> what are your favorite Christmas movies? Shout some out. The holiday, and we were talking about that earlier. Are we going to have this debate, Adam? (laughs) Is Die Hard a Christmas? I've I've already started watching it (laughs) as part of my of my Christmas movie celebrations. So we've got the holiday, love, love actually. It's a wonderful life. Yes, yes, Elf. Yes, Home Alone, a classic, a classic. It's got to be. The Grinch, yeah, The Grinch, The Grinch. Gosh, I, there is not enough time. I've just realized I need to add to my Christmas movie list, list a whole load of Christmas movies. But I'm looking forward to snuggling up with a cup of cocoa and watching a whole load of Christmas movies this year. Um, one thing that we used to do every Christmas Eve as a family is we would watch um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Have you, have you guys seen it? <laughs> You have to be of a certain era to, to know well. the gr- Yes, yes. <laughs> it's a film with Chevy Chase. Um, and basically, he kind of gets his whole... Fa- he's got this idea that they're going to have a good, big family, old-fashioned family Christmas. And he invites everyone around to his house. And then the, he kind of forgets that they don't all get along. And they're all crammed in the house together. And everything that possibly could go wrong starts to go wrong. And the, you, they're, very, they're faced with the very very um, raw reality that they actually don't get that on as well as a family. Um, and in hindsight, I, I realized this is quite narcissistic of my family that we would sit down and watch this movie because that's exactly what our Christmases were, like the whole family coming together because they had to. And then we didn't really get along and no one really liked each other. <laughs> I mean, some of us liked each other, obviously. We weren't massively dysfunctional, just partly dysfunctional. Um, but it is one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies. Um, I, I actually have a clip from the movie. Could you indulge me? Can we watch a clip from the movie? It's, well, I, I don't it's know relevant. What to say, except it's no, wait, just pause it just a second, just a second, because it's just a random. Let's take it back. So, just in this clip, this is Ellen, who's Chevy Chase's wife in the movie, and she's sort of going along with his plan of having everyone around. And the the grandparents have come to stay, uh, so there's no space in the house. So her daughters had to sleep with her brother in the same bedroom, in the same bed, and her daughter is now complaining to mum, just saying like, "This is actually miserable." Well, I I don't know what to say, except it's Christmas, and we're all in misery. Is that from the beginning of the... Ellen, are you smoking again? (laughs) No! Okay. Okay, it wasn't the full clip. Um, 
I'll have to explain it to you. In fact, no, I won't explain it. Guys, watch the film. It's so good. So, I mean, essentially, because everything's gone wrong, this is what's happened. They've gone to this point, and she's complaining to her mum, and she just says, it's Christmas. We're all in misery, as you can see. And this was like a motto, not a motto. This was uh, something that you'd hear a lot in our family. I'm sorry, it's Christmas. We're all in misery. <laughs> but the reality is, this can be the fact for a lot of us at Christmas, that it can be such a stressful time of year. Um, we have this um, pressure to be around family, to be around people who actually we only really share genetics with and not much else. Um, it can be a time of year where there's a lot of pressure to um, cook the right food and decorate the house correctly um, and to make sure that you're going to the right parties at the right time and we're all exhausted because I'm sure we've been asked to do way more than we probably have bandwidth for. Um, did you know that Christmas, at, at Christmas time and just after Christmas, um, the divorce rate doubles? Yeah, literally doubles. Um, most families will have a big old domestic around Christmas time. A good, it's, it's not Christmas without a good old blowout, is it? <laughs> um, this is also the most, um, that the people are most likely to die at Christmas and on New Year's. Um, rates of suicide also soar just after Christmas. Um, and I, I don't think that that's a coincidence. I think this is a time of year where there is an awful lot of pressure on us. And there's an awful lot of pressure on us to live this sort of Disney Christmas. It's my Disney Christmas representation. Um, this is what we're sort of hoping our Christmas will be, but this is not the reality of Christmas. Disney Christmas only exists in Disneyland and in Disney World. <laughs> I know those are actual places. <laughs> and I'm like, no, not the actual places. Like, they don't exist. This Disney Christmas does not exist, is my point. Um, and, but we think it does. And so Christmas can end up being a time of disappointment, of domestics and, and dystopia. Um, and that's not to mention the pressure that we have on us financially. And I've got some crazy statistics of what... Um, we buy over 354,000 tons worth of toys and gifts at Christmas time. And I know that a lot of us are under pressure to spend an awful lot of money this Christmas. Um, I mean, there's, there's just a lot of stuff there. I'm not going to read through it all. We drink over 250 million pints of beer over Christmas. That's enough to fill at least 57 Olympic-sized swimming pools. That's a lot, isn't it? Um, we spend around 17 million hours shopping online on Boxing Day alone. On Boxing Day alone, we spend an awful lot of money at Christmas. And for most of us, this is money that we don't have. And we go, as it says, alongside these people in the UK currently, we owe over two trillion pounds in personal debt. And this is going up by billions of pounds every single year. And just to highlight that if you are um, having, if you are in financial difficulty this Christmas, we have an amazing program called Acts 365. Um, and this is we've run this successfully across our services where if you have a need, if, you've, if your fridge or your oven has broken and you can't afford to replace it, you can come and let us know and um, we can post it um, anonymously on a platform and people can donate. And we've had this um, in a few of our services and literally the need has been met within a, a few minutes, um, maximum a few hours. Um, so please come and see us if you are in financial difficulty this Christmas. 
there's got to be a better story for us this Christmas. And there is. Advent is a chance <laughs> for us to recenter ourselves and to restory ourselves in light of Jesus' story. It's a chance for us to join the heavenly choir and sing a different chorus. When the angels appeared to the shepherds, they sang glory to God in the highest, on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. I mean, so much of what is prevalent in our world, especially at Christmas, there's a different story that the Bible tells. And as a church community, it's worth reminding ourselves of who we are as followers of Jesus and the story that we're living in our, in our, tr in our lives as a call uh, to live out Jesus' story in, a, in this world and to share his story with others and to invite them to join the new song for their lives in God's story. And I just want to read from Isaiah chapter 9. If you've got your Bibles with me, feel free to turn there. We're going to read from Isaiah chapter 9, um, verses 1. Two, seven. Oh, they're great. Sorry, I brought my glasses. Nevertheless, there was no. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Why will it? What's, what's happened? What <laughs> <laughs> <I> was that? <laughs> oh, start again. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea among the um, along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. This is the better story. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, there's our middle bit that we don't really read that often. Where did that come from? And I thought that as well when I was reading. I was like, hold on a minute. But I'm going to um, hopefully come to come and, and kind of expand on this a bit more. That there's so much in this that is so relevant for, our, for, our, our, for where we are culturally and our, our lives at the moment. But I want to remind us that the light stepped down into darkness. The light of the world stepped down into our darkness. And the light of the world is here in our darkness. 
And when I, um, I think I mentioned this last, last week, that darkness is being separated from the light. When, when it's nighttime, the world, the planet that we're on, has separated us from the sun, and so we're in darkness. And we have been separated from darkness, and we are still very capable of separating ourselves from the light. But the light has come. And so I guess I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit, but I guess I want to ask ourselves, what is separating us from the light in our lives right now? I'm reading this incredible book at the moment called um, Imagine the God of Heaven. I think I have the slide for it. Um, and it's based, it's written by a guy called John Burke, who's done extensive studies on people who have had an NDE. Do you know what an NDE is? A near-death experience. And it's not like a near-death experience, like, oh, I nearly got hit by a car today. It was all like, you know, got my heart pumping, my life flashed before me. Not, and and that's, that's deep. This is like deep, deep. So this is people who are clinically dead. Your heart has flatlined and your brain activity has ceased. And this is interesting, very interestingly, more and more people are having near-death near experiences because modern medicine is getting so good at bringing people back to life that a lot more people um, in our modern day are experiencing these near-death experiences, having these more near-death experiences. In fact, 5% of the population have had them. And this guy has done a whole study, and he's found a whole lot of stuff that's, uh, that people have in common. And over 75% of people, of NDEers, that's why he's an American guy, NDEers, <laughs> it doesn't work, does it? It's just like, no, you've got to think of a better, better name. <laughs> 75 plus, over 75% of them experience a light, and they immediately recognize that light as being God. And this is people from across lots of different religions and backgrounds. Some people have never come in, never known about Jesus. And they said the light is so, it's warm, it's embracing, and that, that they know when they see this light, this light loves them. Um, and they start to communicate with, with this light, and they know that it's God. Um, and they start to communicate with it, and they, they are immediate. some of them are shown all of the, tiny acts of kindness that they've done and they they're shown these things and they know that it's pleased the light that they've done these things some some are to strangers um not all of them but about 50 percent of them have either an experience where they're shown their life and they are given a choice to go back or they are told they have to go back and all, none of them want to go back they all want to stay with the light. They, they all say, you could never imagine such an amazing place. I did not want to leave. I begged the light to let me stay. But I knew in my, those are the ones that were sent back. They, they begged to stay. <laughs> the ones who chose to go back, the only reason they went back was for other people. So they knew that they had loved ones. One, of, one guy, he had actually been murdered by a friend of his who had had a complete mental breakdown. And um, he said, if I stay here, my friend will be a murderer and they will treat him so badly um, because of who he is, because of where he comes from. And I can't let that happen to him. I have to go back and make sure that he's okay. Um, and then other people for, for friends or for um, children they decided to go back. I really highly recommend this book. This will, it's, it's a great Christmas book. Um, our God said, I am the light of the world. 
He is the God that lights up our darkness, who came and stepped down into darkness. And he came not just to light everything up, but to, to lift our burdens and to break the chains that hold us. And in this passage, it says in verse, uh, verse 4, For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, I think this is Christmas right here. Like, <laughs> that there's yokes that burden us. There are bars across our shoulders and there are rods of our oppressors just trying to like get more and more energy from us, demand more money from us, more this, more that. And I'm just like, oh, we're so laden down and burdened down around this time of year. Um, the day of Midian's defeat, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the story of Gideon in the book of Judges, but this is what he's referring to. Um, and Gideon, the, the, the Midianites oppressed the people of Israel. And if we look back on the Old Testament, we see types and shadows. And so the people of Israel, they represent God's people. So when we see oppressors oppressing the, the, the people of Israel, we, we, can, we can draw from that a type and shadow of ourselves and those who are oppressing us. And the Midianites were oppressing the people of Israel. It, it, they, they ruined their crops. They would steal their livestock. The Bible refers to them as locusts. And um, when Gideon was leading the people of Israel, they rose up against the Midianites. And Gideon called all the tribes of Israel to come because the Midianite army was very sophisticated. And all the, the, the tribes of Israel came and they came to Gideon. And they said, yeah, we're ready to fight. We're going. And God said to Gideon, he said, you have too many people for you to defeat the Midianites. <laughs> which doesn't make sense, does it? How can we have too many people we're not able to win? <laughs> God is like, no, there's too many here. So he says to some, send like 20,000 home. So he sent 20,000 home. Then he said, take these lot to the water. And however you think to separate them, start to separate them. So they, Gideon takes them down to the, to the river and to, to drink. And the ones that lapped the water like dogs, he separated them. And then the ones that drank water like I would say civilized people, he separated them. <laughs> and God said, these ones that lapped the water, these are your, this is your army. <laughs> like, really? Can we not take like the, the sophisticated ones who know how to drink? <laughs> because I know, like, take this 300 that lapped the water like dogs and let me show you my glory. And he says to them, you go down to the Midianite camp and um, what he, and so and he says you need to arm yourself with pots, okay? Pots. People who lap water like dogs, we're going to give them pots and send them against a big army. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> Me, I will be out at that point. Lord, no, I can see this is going to go south very quickly. But they go down, and you may know the story that they um, they they have their torches and they light their torches and they break their pots. And it causes confusion and derision in the Midianite camp. And they end up um, turning on each other, slaying each other, and they win everything. They plunder the Midianites and they are defeated. Um, they defeat their oppressors. So why, what is the point of that? Why is this feature right here sandwiched between um, the people in Walking in Darkness have seen a great light and unto us uh, a, a son is, is born, a child is given? And it's this, 
We cannot save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. God led the people of Israel in this way because he said, I want to show you, you cannot save yourselves. If, if, you, if I let you go against this army with all of your people, you will think you can save yourself, but you cannot. It is only I who can save you. It's only Jesus who can save us. It is only Jesus that, that fought the fight against death for us and won the victory. Logic says we need to do this and that in order to get this. In order to have a great Christmas, we need to have, you know, food and family and, and music and, and decorations. And um, God says, no, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will see, but will have the light of life. Jesus says, if you seek me first and my kingdom then all these things will be added unto you. He's giving us a different story. I'm coming into close, but I want to ask again, what is separating you from the light right now? Is it sin? Is it cares? Is it worries? Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, this is Jesus um, talking, and you'll know, this, um, you'll know this passage well. And it says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or soar away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the lilies of the field, they do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. These are the, the cares of this world, the cares that, and the worries and the anxiety that can often come on us at this time of year, and in fact, any time of year, can, can separate us because they distract us from seeking the kingdom. And God has said, I, I've come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. And this is how you do it. Seek my kingdom first. And so I ask again, what is separating you? Are there sins that are separating you from God? Are there cares? Are there worries? Is there grief and pain I just mentioned it was a time of year where divorce rates go up and death rates go up. So I'm going to guess that some of us have experienced that. And as a result, Christmas can be a time where we're very aware of who's missing. And God is here with us in that. 
He sits in that with us. He is our Emmanuel, but he's also shown us a better way. Seek first my kingdom and, and my righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So in a moment, we're going to have um, a time of reflection. And, you know, if, if sin is keeping you from the light, God does not reject you. He loves you, and he's calling you into repentance and into his light. Our old pastor used to say, admit it and, qu- admit it and quit it, in his American accent, admit it and quit it. And it really, it, it is, in theory, that simple. We admit our sins, and then we turn away from our sins. But if it's not that easy, um, then we have steps. That's exactly what steps is for. There's so, if there's a sin that you're trying to lay down, and it just keeps coming, and with the best will in the world, you just keep on doing it. That's exactly what STEPS is for, and STEPS is starting in the new year, and I really recommend it. It had a really deep impact on my life. But maybe today is the day to determine that that sin that is keeping you from God's light is going to have its day. It's done now. It's done. And it starts with a decision. And I'm not going to say that just because you've made that decision, you're never going to do that again. I'm saying that this is the time to really say, this is done with. I'm laying this at God's feet now. And I'm looking for a better way. I'm going to seek the kingdom and his righteousness. And if you're worried or you're anxious or you're fearful or the weight of money burdens, of friendships, of family, um, of, of maybe family traumas are weighing you down. Or if, you've, if you're struggling with grief or with loss, with self-rejection, with disappointment of pain. Um, then I want to invite you to also lay them down and to trust God with them today. Can I invite the band back up? And we were we had a, a gathering um, just this week, and um, Adam said something very profound. Uh, I don't think he meant it to be as profound as I, I feel it has been, but or maybe he did. He said, "Nothing is holding us back in 2024." And that really resonated with my spirit. Nothing is holding us back in 2024. But in order for us not to be held back, we're going to need to let go of some things. And so I want to invite us um, as we worship to start to lay down some of these things that are going to hold us back or some of these things that have been holding us back. So let me invite you right now to just close your eyes. Um, and bow your head wherever you are. And we're just going to do a little exercise um, that I find really helps me. And that is, we're just going to allow whatever is uh, burdening you, whatever is, whatever concerns you have, whatever like that list that I went through just now and you're like, oh yeah, that's me. Just let that bubble up. Let that feeling, let that emotion, just let it bubble up. And then just stretch out both your hands in front of you and start to scoop up that that feeling or that concern and put it into your other hand. And you might have one thing, you might have loads of things. But as you let those things just bubble up, just start to sort of symbolically scoop them up and put them into your other hand you might want to scoop them from your chest if you feel weighing heavily in your chest or if you scoop them from your your belly where often when I'm when I'm afraid I feel it in my belly 
and just put them in that hand. And then in this hand that you've put all your concerns or your fears or your, um, all that you feel is separating you from God, as Ellen sings this next song, when you're ready, just lay them down at his feet. Just lay that symbolically down at the feet of Jesus. And Elena is going to sing the blessing over you. And once you've laid down these burdens, these sins, these pains, just start to receive the blessing that is going to be sung over you. And you might want to get really symbolic and just sort of take it with your hands and put it, put, put that back in your chest, put that in your belly. So we're going to worship now and then I'm going to come up.